Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Business of Music podcast, where we teach you everything you need to know about owning and growing a music business. My name is Elliot Towsley, and my business partner, James Landry, and I are your hosts. Shoot us an email to contact at denovoagency.com so we can answer your questions on our next podcast. And to learn even more, subscribe to our YouTube channel and sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Business of Music podcast. Why are you smiling? What's You cut the beginning anyway. <laughs> I know. I'm getting excited. I'm antsy. Yeah, we haven't been here in a month. Um <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, mostly gentlemen, according to our analytics, yes. <laughs> but, like, but everybody, how's it going? I think it's, um, I think my page is 82% male. The, the DeNovo page is more than 90% male. Is it that high? It's like wow. 91%. Yeah, that's wow. pretty, so pretty men crazy. are more interested in learning and growing their music business than women, or are there just more men? There's probably more men in the business and I would probably, we definitely resonate to men, I think more than, because there's a women in our space who do it this too. And they, the women probably prefer to work with women. I don't know. That's not my field of uh, <laughs> expertise, <laughs> but um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is the business of music podcast. We've been uh I can make up some excuse of what we've been doing, but we've mostly just been uh, lazy and working with our clients, not uh, focused on this. And we made a great change because we used to do these podcasts at the end of the week. And then by the end of the week, we'd be tired and not want to give the same spiel for the 180th time that week. So instead, we moved the podcast to Mondays. So we are fresh. We are ready to rock. Um, we got a brand new thumbnail for the show <laughs> and it makes us look so much better. The one we had before was just amateurish. So, uh, I thought you thanks. were going to say that was the big change you're excited about. Not the oh, that thing. The, all the changes, all the changes on the business of po- <laughs> business of music podcast. <laughs> hey, it's been a month. I'm out of it, man. And I had a three day weekend in New York city and visiting my brother. And that was really cool. And one of the things I wanted to mention is my brother, when he was touring apartments in Manhattan, he toured and was offered Bob Dylan's old apartment, like from the 60s. And I was like, why didn't you take it? Like, that's super cool. And he's like, the other one was bigger. So, but (laughs) I just thought that was really cool because who would have thought? So, okay. Right. Yeah. Bob Dylan used to live here like you should live here too birthday today is it really yes today i believe it's today yeah check may 24th yeah look at at that that. wow i knew something you didn't know about bob dylan there we go (laughs) happy birthday to me (laughs) um okay so there's a lot going on in the music business as always but it's the you know we're it's at the end of may here so Music business is, is likes to uh, speed on up in the summer, and now, of course, you are compounding that with COVID slowly getting back to whatever normal life sort of looked like before in terms of performances, people getting together, doing things. A lot of artists are coming out with future tour dates. Um, I know Justin Bieber already selling out shows for like a year and a half from now. Um, 
But I mean, that is just a just a quick tangent that shows you how long it takes to build a big tour like that, even if you have a ton of attention and people who are willing to go see you, just the logistics of putting together a huge tour where each you're playing arenas with 20,000 people every night. Um, there's a lot of moving parts and it takes a lot, even for people who are well-oiled machines, like the big powerhouses putting together Justin Bieber tour, they're still planning it a year and a half from now. Um, and one half more tangent, I want to talk, eventually I want to talk about the artists who COVID is impacting the most in terms of like limiting their peak. I, I think we might've talked about this before, but it's definitely like baby Jack Harlow, right now because they're still getting big but if covid wasn't a thing all last summer in this spring they would have been having shows around the country they would have been selling out tours or doing mixed shows with other artists and without that opportunity some artists aren't around for two years so i'm interested to see in six months from now which artists do we see kind of gut hit the hardest with the lack of that extra opportunity um it's not even just their growth it's the potential revenue they could be making right yeah they could be bigger but even at the size they're at now they could make so much more money if they could just do a show sell merchandise of that show and uh obviously we don't know their deals um maybe it's just the labels there's only so much you can do and there's only so much you could have done the past year year and a half um, right. I do know currently a lot of people are working on deals and in the deals with show deals, they're saying show must follow COVID protocols still. And that's a holdup because some artists care and some don't um, or care less. I should say it's not that they don't care, but I mean, the baby did a concert in Orlando two months ago. Yeah. I think just now half the States have 50% of their adult vaccinated. It's like two months ago is a whole different world than right now. Um, but yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how much less money did they make or can they turn it into higher demand, higher ticket prices and make more or the same. Um, I don't know who a big artist was three years ago, but if you can take Jack Harlow and compare him to someone three years ago who was just coming up then, how much money was that person making and consider inflation now and how much less has he made? How much can he make? Uh, it, it is going to be interesting. Um, you think of a curve usually when you think of that income, you start low and it kind of works its way up as you get bigger. Um, these are going to be very steep curves for some of these bigger artists now that COVID's ending. Yep. Well, I think there's going to be a lot more competition for attention um, because every big artist is going to come out and tour now, like everyone. Um, so there are only so many weekends in the summer for casual listeners, and most people don't have a a ton of money to go see their favorite 15 concerts that summer that you, a lot of people pick one or a year, you know, or two. Um, and this, and this is big think, shows. It makes me think things like, uh, South by Southwest are going to have bigger names yep. for cheaper because these people want to get out and they're not going to mm-hmm. be able to charge as much because everyone's looking for work. Um, right. So, I could see those type of events having huge names. Like if Firefest were to happen this year, it's not going to be headlined by Mark Matchbox. Was it Matchbox 20? Who was it? Firefest had headlined. <laughs> it, it would be, um, you'd be able to pull those bigger names for the amount that 
Firefest thought you could pay originally. Well, I remember, I think over the weekend or like last week, Bonnaroo um, released their set list for the 2021. And looking at it now, it's Foo Fighters, Megan the Stallion, Lizzo, Tame Impala, Tyler the Creator, Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. And then like the next uh, tier, at least the way they structured it here, is like I see Lil Baby, that's tier two. <laughs> Dead Mouse, Leon Bridges, tier two. Um, G Easy Tier Two. And what a, you get the point, and um, I think that actually is a really good illustration of like because if this were last year, G Easy could have easily been the headline Tier One book, but because everyone is anxious to play, they might get pushed down a little bit. And it's the music industry; the people who have the most attention have the most say. So as soon as, even if they have it all set, if Jay-Z says, hey, I want to do Bonnaroo 2, they're going to fucking move some shit around to make sure it happens. They won't, <laughs> they wouldn't do that for, they might not do that for Schoolboy Q right now. Yeah. He'd be tier three. When's the last Schoolboy Q record you fucking heard? But you get the, you get the picture. So a lot I of these things. another, one more example about the difference right now. When was the last time Lil Wayne featured on so many songs? in a two-month period it's been years he has no need to do that other than because he can do shows he's doing all this other stuff i'm pretty sure what he's doing this because he went i have time we have covid and i can't do shows i still want to make money so yeah sure Nicki minaj and you want to get me and drake back on our song i can do that why not nothing else going on that there's a lot to it obviously but just off topic slightly on topic it's just going to be interesting and a lot of these things are going to be planned essentially on the fly because they're waiting on deadlines from each different state and you know things like that so it's just going to be really interesting to see because i you know you can probably assume that there's going to be some bonnaroo is in tennessee right so they already planned this summer let me see when when is it September. All right. So they've already put all of this together. They've booked all of these people for a huge event in September, but that's in Tennessee. I don't, I'm not an expert on what their regulations are, but I could assume that California where um, Coachella is, the restrictions are probably a lot tighter. So even like the logistics going into it, you just have a whole added mess of things that have never been done before. And I was listening to Howard Stern. I'm a big Howard Stern guy talking to George Clooney. And he said on the movie side of things, when they were like, okay, we need to account for coronavirus and like, we need these protocols. How much is this going to cost? He said that the movie industry estimated it's whatever your budget was. It was 25% of the budget is the added cost for having to like deal with COVID. And that's like, I don't know how much it costs to put on Coachella, but um, just think that if, 20, if, if everything costs 25% more to handle, to do with, like the, a lot of these artists aren't going to be making a ton of money. They, at least directly, because there's going to be too much competition for artists saying, I'll do it for free. I just want to go sell my shirts or I just want the videos. I want the attention. I want people to be talking about me this summer because I'm doing something in the fall or whatever. It's just going to be interesting. Um, and this, yeah, 
So there's that. Yep. We're going to go on to the next topic here. Something else that was released earlier this month. Um, Billboard. Billboard Music Awards. Billboard Charts. They came out and said that the artist of the decade of the 2010s. Wow. Uh, we're, we're fucking old, <laughs> um, is Drake. And that caused a stir just because, you know, it's Drake and people at this point seem to either love him or hate him, which is natural. But, um, some things I wanted to list off here in that span, Drake had nine number one albums, 45 top 10 singles. And, he either had a song or was on a song in the Hot 100 232 times. That's twice a month for a year, for 10 years straight. Think of that. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, your particular style or like what your taste is for music I can understand why you might not think Drake is the artist of the decade, but I'm having a hard time thinking of who would, because Kendrick didn't do it for 10 years. D- Damn oh, came out three, three years ago. Three yeah, years he, ago. He, yeah, he had a great peak, but he didn't sustain it for 10 years. No. Drake's 232 top Hot 100 songs. I'd I bet the only person who has more than that is Lil Wayne because he just featured more. I and I bet Drake might have even have surpassed him now. Let me look that up. When anyone, you... yeah. I was going to say, in 10 years, that's a lot. Because I was going to say, even like if you wanted to go someone else, you'd be like, okay, maybe Taylor Swift. She doesn't have that many. She's not featuring everywhere. She's not. It's her own music being released. Um, I don't know who. One thing here, just to give it some perspective, Taylor Swift has the most among any woman of all time, and she has 113, so less than half of all time. Yeah. Drake, yep. Okay, so Drake broke the record for the most, oh, that's the most top tens. Okay, so he's got the most top tens. Okay, well, whatever. All, all that to say that he had, he's leg and shoulder, like, whatever the... <laughs> leg and shoulder. Leg and shoulder. Head and shoulder. <laughs> oh, man, it has been a long month off and a long weekend in New York City. Leg and shoulders, baby. Um, okay, so Jake... I say, uh, like, the Jake. only person... Yeah. The only person who could keep up with that number, I'd say, is, like, DJ Khaled. Because yeah, he's producing. I'm, and he's not on them. I there's no way we're finding someone who's done that. Um, Kendrick did voice his. He didn't voice it. He tweeted about Drake and his, uh, I guess, displeasure by the emoji choice he used. Um, like you said, Kendrick was almost there. Uh, but Drake, in the past year, how many albums has he released? Two plus an EP. In the last decade. No, in the last oh oh you mean Drake like year like a few months yeah Drake hasn't stopped like and that's this year but in general like it's hard to argue with that choice um, 
unless you want just pure streaming numbers. But even then, I bet you, if you took everything, he's through the roof. Like it's not even close. definitely. Um, I know the most streamed song they said was the baby with Rockstar, which has over a billion streams just on Spotify. But even that probably doesn't come close to anything that Drake's done. Oh no, not in aggregately. If you're counting like and yeah. what everything was that was released. Yeah, so I mean, even if he did that once a year for ten years, right. baby, he's not touching what Drake's done. And it's it's just pretty incredible. And I mean, even if it's not your particular taste of music, you got to like at least respect the results. And then there's going to be a lot of people who say, "Well, this is what you know. This isn't hip hop. This is pop R and B." Billboard doesn't care. It's not the artist of the rap. You know, it's not the rap artist of the decade. It's the artist. So they be they considered him more than Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, um, Maroon Five. I guess than, it's different than the Grammys. It's not as political yeah. and hidden. They have numbers to back this up. This isn't like the Grammys. You can get rap record of the year and never even hit top hundred on Billboard. Um, they've got numbers to back it up. It's kind of crazy. And what's crazier about it is the next decade, that artist is probably already pretty well known. Like we could probably start to take some guesses at who it would be for the next decade because you're not going to catch up. If someone came out in 2014, they weren't catching Drake. Mm, that's a good years point. on them. So if someone's yeah, coming up this year, next year, they're not probably catching up to some people like Drake again. And um, so it's of the decades odd because you think about it, it's a 10 year block and it doesn't move. So it's not like every year they're doing a new of the decade. Right. Uh, yeah, That's right, the right. only way you'd have a chance to kind of catch up. Um, but it is an accomplishment nonetheless. Yep. And he started bubbling up like in before 2010, like best I ever had came out in like 2008 or 2009. Let me look. Yeah, I was going to say 08. Yeah, I think that was 08. It was on the Thank Me Later album. Yep. But the first time it was actually released. Yeah, 2009. What was it? Febu- well, it was recorded in 2008, released February 13th, 2009. Boy Wanda produced it. Um, okay, well, some people did say that J. Cole should have been considered the artist of the decade. He was around pre-2010. He had some great music, but he doesn't have the commercial mainstream success that Drake does, and he can't sing. <laughs> so, I mean, he can kind of sing, but he can't sing like Drake. And um, he so, also, a big thing he doesn't do is bring on big name features to pump up the numbers. This yeah. was his first album in a while that he's brought on some big, he had Little Baby on this one, um, Six Black. Um, oh, like <laughs> Schoolboy Q, I think, is on this one. He's got a lot of people on this one. Um, last album it was him featuring himself as a alter ego yeah and before that forest hill drives was it just him again i think think so might have been and that isn't going to get you artists of the decade when you're not sitting here featured on a bunch of stuff all j cole does is dreamville and his own music um drake will go jump on an album 
a song with anyone. Lil Baby's first commercial release, Drake was on it. Yep. I don't see J. Cole being that only feature on a major song of a first release artist unless it's his artist, not someone being pushed by a major label like Interscope. Um, I love J. Cole. I think he's amazing. I think he's great. Um, I don't think you have an argument saying he's artist of the decade. I'd say Taylor Swift has more of an argument than J. Cole, even yeah. if her streaming numbers are as high. Um, same with Kendrick definitely at this higher. point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think they're not necessarily taking into consideration the skill of, or they might be, but the, the, if Kendrick's peak skill was 20% higher than Drake, Drake has still sustained his 8 out of 10 for six years longer. Mm-hmm. Like, so sooner or later, it's almost like that, like kind of what happened with like Brady, like Aaron Rodgers' peak is better. Um, Or like, you know, eventually once it's just been sustained for so long. And so like, eventually you have so many accolades, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You're the go. Like, okay. Whether I want to accept it or not, like you're still, you got to fuck another one. Okay. So like Drake in a way, where like Tom Brady, maybe one year was like head, head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of pure just talent and numbers. Tom Brady like only led the league in passing once or twice. So it wasn't like he was putting out astounding statistics every year, but he just consistently won. And Drake has the high numbers, the number ones and the consistency. It's almost like if Aaron Rodgers sustained winning the Super Bowls and sustained his high, high, high skill better in a vacuum than Tom Brady, he would be the GOAT. But he didn't sustain it. His peak was only a short-lived, kind of like Kendrick. And that's actually an interesting take. Don't forget, none of the other artists had Degrassi to lean back on. That's where Drake made his start TV show. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, that leads us into Drake. Uh, nope, that leads us into J. Cole's <laughs> new album. <laughs> and uh, so far, it's doing good. It's pre- it is going to go number one this week. Yes. I mean, that's not. I don't know how much competition he had, but that means just to say he's that big that everyone was tuning in. There was no competition. So let's go over what he did. Okay, so. He disappeared for two weeks, came back, drops a dope album. Two weeks. All the songs. Huh? No, he was, he was like... Two years. He didn't he like... Gone. Yeah, two years. Sorry. And um, he drops a number one album. The songs are going crazy on all the streaming platforms. He's also signed two signature shoe deals with Puma. And... At the age of 36, makes his pro basketball debut in Rwanda <laughs> and, uh, and is still just kind of chilling. So <laughs> um, I'm loving it. I've listened to the album twice through so far. Um, I'm going to like, I kind of like to let it breathe and then listen to it again. And so many people, whenever an album like this comes out, everyone makes up their their armchair expert opinion after 45 minutes it's been it's been live for 45 minutes 
And now here's my review. <laughs> so like, I feel like people got to like sit on it and like really marinate in music for more than 48 minutes before they like kind of determine if they hate it or if they, if it met their expectations. Um, because it's so hard to like make tangible expectations that almost no one ever meets them. Like, you know, so it's like, Instead, just like sit and listen to music for a week in your car, maybe three or four times and like then make up your mind. But. So we always tell people. Listeners will not listen to your whole album. And that still stands true because you're not J. Cole. Is pretty much what it comes down to. Like J. Cole to me is one of the five artists that I'll listen to a full album with no questions asked. I mean, he is on a different level. He can put an album out. Even he released a lead song off of it. What he did was release his interlude, which was probably going to be the most, the least streamed song as a single and made it chart. And so he took the method that we tell people to do all the time and did it with his, not his worst song, but the song he knew most people wouldn't listen to as often and made it monetized. He monetized it. He knows what he's doing. Um, yeah. Unlike Elliot and I today. But he, <laughs> is, <laughs> he, um, he is good with words. Us? <laughs> no. Why use many words when one do? <laughs> um, uh, so I listened to the whole album. I've listened to it multiple times. Um, I... When I first listen to a full album, I don't leave a rev- I'm not just like you, Ellie. I don't, I'm never going to give her a public review. But what I did do is I listened to it and picked out the two songs that would chart that I thought would have a chance at number one. But immediately I also decided that none of them would go number one. I didn't think any of them had the psychological background that people look for in a common song to go number one. Drake does. That's the difference between Drake and J. Cole, really. They have the commonality. You listen to it. You know what to expect. And that's when songs tend to trend. They go number one. They go up charts. You know what to expect. You like it. Your mind likes expectations. Like 60% of the songs sound familiar. J. Cole doesn't do that. He doesn't care. Um, another, uh, to do with this, another thing about J. Cole, um, I, Elliot and I haven't even talked about this. J. Cole released this whole album. He put spaces between each letter. You, at the time, I don't know if they fixed it, you could not find his songs on Spotify by typing in the song name. You had to put spaces. The SEO nightmare that J. Cole caused Spotify uh, yeah. was hilarious um, because artists tell us all the time, well, if my song gets popular enough, I'll be the first one to pop up with that artist's name. You think they care about you being popular enough when they couldn't even figure out J. Cole and making sure that when you searched Pride is the devil that his song would come up, not someone else's because you didn't put the spaces. Mm-hmm. The algorithm doesn't care. The system wasn't set up for J. Cole. He didn't warn anyone. No one was prepared for it, apparently, at Spotify or Apple Music or anyone else, I'm guessing. It was brought to my attention on Spotify that people started to make playlists with the name of the uh, songs yep. without the spaces. So those are what would pop up first and people would listen to their playlist and follow their playlist. Just to show you how Spotify, yes, they are a business. They're trying to keep the listener in 
mind, but there's always little hiccups that people can run into. J. Cole doesn't matter to him. You putting, say the, your song's called Snow and you use the money sign for the S, no one's finding your song. I don't care what you do as an independent artist. They'll fix it for J. Cole. They're not going to fix it for you. Um, that was a big thing that I was notified about probably, I think I probably got a message at 2 a.m. I woke up to the message. I was like, what are you talking about? And uh, Spotify <laughs> still hadn't fixed it. I think and the biggest thing is, is J. Cole has people searching for it, um, really. So whether even the secondary part is it's, oh, wow, the spaces are making it hard to find. But he also has a shit ton of people looking for it. Um, that's the most people, most independent artists don't have that in the first place. So then if you're making it even harder for someone who is looking for you to find you by doing the whatever. Yeah. It's, you're going to end up shooting yourself in the foot. Um, but I think the biggest difference between like a Drake and a J Cole on a basic general level is J Cole pretty much only does rap and hip hop. Drake does rap, hip hop, R&B and pop. And like it's my mom, a casual old lady pop listener, listen to the pop radio, probably knows a handful of uh Drake songs just because it's a, the mainstream song and it's gone into that orbit of like casual pop listeners on top 20 radio. I bet my mom has no idea who J Cole even is. Because I think J Cole is really big in hip hop. But that doesn't necessarily make you really big in all of music. Just like, say, contrarily, there are some really big country artists that people in Canada would have no idea who they are. Because they're, even though country is really popular in certain areas, it's not really popular even like in North America. It's, you know, what I'm trying to get at like mm -hmm. J. Cole is a little bit more of a niche because he's just hip hop, just rap. And that's all he's trying to do. And this is just from the perspective of like the billboard artist of the decade, who's going to have the most number ones, someone who's like just a, a one style artist is going to have less number ones than someone who can do four different genres because they're going to appeal to four different audiences. And if 10% of all the audiences like them, they're going to tune in. And now their audience is three times the size of the guy who's only doing hip hop. If that made any sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to do yeah, it. No, I think I'll, I'll touch one more thing on that. I think Drake has slowly changed himself into a pop first artist. Kind of like look at him and Lil Baby. He was the pop person. They brought Lil Baby on to do rap and they went back yeah. to Drake doing this pop. He can do rap, but only you're not going to see Drake. I don't think you will. He's going to put me wrong now. Release a rap song as a single and expect it to do the same numbers. He just knows his market. He knows how to make money. His label knows how to make money. And that's pretty much what they're doing. I'm sure he still treats it like art. He still loves doing it, but he has changed. If you look at what he used to do compared to now. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's fine. I think it's really, I think artists don't get enough credit. Like somebody like Eminem, Jay-Z, Ludacris. I don't know the people who have been around since I was a kid. Like 
I think people kind of gloss over how hard it is to be relevant in music for five years, let alone 20, 15, mm-hmm. you know, like even three years. Look at yeah. little Nas X right now. He's kind of getting like, it's almost been three years for him. And I would say he's fading away to the point of his, he, yeah, he had another bigger hit that just came out. But again, it was based off marketing and pushing. I'm not seeing him. I, I heard his music more in the last year because NFL played it on their commercials than I did <laughs> on TikTok reels or Instagram videos. Um, Jack Harlow, is it getting up there now? So how long is he going to stay around? The baby, how long is he going to stay around? Um, Drake, 10 years for Drake is incredible. Jay yeah. Cole has been around for 10 years. He didn't have a chance at that. Kendrick's been around. He has every chance. Eminem's still been around. I don't think he's ever won that or had a chance. Um, what Drake's doing is bridging two listening, th- almost three audiences to listen to his right. music. And that's what made him, like you were saying, that's what made him who he is and how popular he is. He's not just going after people who like hip hop. He's got hip hop right. moms bring their kids right. to school they're able Nine to listen to girls. music because it's going to be on the radio and it is it's not yeah. you don't have to think twice about it you don't have yeah it's just a different audience which makes it so he doesn't have competition when it came up to the past 10 years yep i think the last thing we want to end today's episode on is also hinging on j cole um i didn't know about any of this until i saw this story but timbaland producer did a lot of shit with jay-z and um then he did his own stuff with justin timberlake and uh that chick don't remember her name nelly Furtado or something (laughs) um anyway timbaland famous producer started a website company that is very similar to beat stars um, which sells allows producers to sell their instrumentals to artists it's a cool marketplace for artists looking for instrumentals and for those producers who have them to sell. Um, Timbaland has a company called Beat Club. And J. Cole is one of the first big names to be a producer. Because those of you who don't know, J. Cole does produce a lot of his own music, if not almost all of it now. And he's a renowned producer. So J. Cole is going to be on this platform and have some... I don't know anything about the platform in terms of, I don't know if you have to be invited. I don't know if you sign up and you have to be accepted. I don't know if it's free for all. Anyone can come sign up. My guess is if eventually if famous producers are going to be on here and you're going to be buying exclusive rights, my guess is there's going to be some sort of screening process because if they want the 50% of the money, they're going to give it. They want the artist to be good. But um, Beat Club is J. Cole is now a partner of it in some way. Um, Timbaland is like the spokesperson and head guy at Beat Club. And it's pretty interesting. And we were talking about it on Instagram and a lot of people were just saying, hey, what's the difference between that and Beat Stars? And I think on the surface, it's nothing um, other than the macro of a marketplace for people who have instrumentals, selling them to artists who are looking for them. I think that's exactly what it is. I think the difference is the level of clientele and obviously how much money it's going to cost to get the product. Yeah, my assumption is there's going to be approvals on both sides, buying and selling. 
Um, I don't know if it's going to be, you have to have a placement, a top placement, a hit, what um, I expect people like Seth in the kitchen, who's upcoming with kind of following the baby to be included. Um, I don't know who or why or what their marketing plan is yet. I know the area has been getting filled up. I would uh, shut the shade, Elliot. <laughs> um, the area, this isn't the, I'd say this is the first high quality. It's almost like car dealerships. If you just want a car to get from point A to point B, you just need a beat to wrap over. You can go on Beat Stars. You can go on another app called uh, Melody, which is pretty much like Tinder for beats. I don't know if you've seen that one. You swipe left and right on beats. Um, you can do those. If you just want a car, go buy a Chevy. Go buy a Ford. You'll be fine. It'll get you point A to point B. Um, do you want people to look at your music differently? Maybe get in front of different people that only DJ, DJ Mustard's going to get you in front of? Um, you go use this website. Now, the interesting thing legal-wise on it is, are they going to have flat leases like BeatStars does? BeatStars just hands out leases to people, and neither side knows what's on them, really. <laughs> most producers on BeatStars have no clue what they're asking for or getting. Um, and I see an issue with that, but I don't think this clientele has that issue. So I'm also going to guess if they let you on that platform, it's probably not going to be 50-50. I wouldn't be surprised if you have to pay a lot of money and you're not getting, you're going to get maybe 20% of what's in that because you have to remember most producers are signed. And if they're signed, the labels are letting these songs go out with an expectation that they're going to make a certain amount of money off of it, the beats off of it. Um, I'm, the approval for buying exclusive is probably different, or even buying period, because the last thing they want you to do is get a beat and then Drake want, want it. So I'm right. guessing, I mean, obviously that's an extreme. There's no way they wouldn't go to Drake first and be like, do you want this before we sell it? Um, but there are a lot of levels to it in terms of Mantra. Mantra is a big producer, and he's on BeatStars. He's kind of everywhere. There's a lot of his beats out with different artists on them. Some of them mm -hmm. have done better than others. And I know of a few artists. Some have millions of streams. Some have don't. You can't let that happen with a beat that's going to be used by Jack Harlow or schoolboy q like it doesn't even have to be a big name it just has to be large enough that people heard it you don't want that same beat getting streams from some guy on the corner playing his music in front of a store in just down the road from me in atlanta yes now you're questioning oh did he steal that beat was it his beat did they steal it you don't want any questions around it um so i'm guessing if i had to just i haven't looked at this at all if I had to guess, I'd guess every sale is going to be exclusive. It's going to have a very, very high price point, and the splits are not going to be even. Mm -hmm. You're buying it with the knowledge that you may even have to get it approved before it's released. You may buy it without any guarantee that you can ever release it until you meet their standards of release. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking these are going to be like 50 grand, 100 grand. Like it's not going to be twenty five hundred bucks to get J Cole to produce your song, <laughs> uh, even if even if these big producers are just saying, "Hey, I got these beats I made five years ago. I'm never doing anything with them. Fuck it, I'll put them over here." They still have like an image that they want to uphold, and it's 
to the right to certain producers, it's not going to be worth the three or five grand to get a bunch of songs with artists that aren't very good. That's why I expect they'll sell it, but they're going to have final say if that comes out or not. You're not releasing that song and you're probably not getting the stems depending on who you are, because they made it a specific way. They're not letting you go in and take out their That's true. Hmm. Like These are big names. DJ Mustard doesn't want some kid buying this, going to his friend's house, using a board like I have here, and just changing the song. Right. (laughs) There's certain, they have an integrity level they have to stand up to. That's why it's going to be interesting. Anyone may be able to sign up, um, because of they'll the knowledge will be hey you can take their money but you have final approval if it ever comes out and you don't have to refund them and it would be legal for them to do this like there's I, if you agree to it they can do it right obviously there's probably a checkbox if they're going to do that but some producers Scott Storch you think he's just going to let you buy a beat at least right. literally you buy a Me? beat. Go rap on it and just release it without him hearing it. Right. Or just tagging him and all the shit. Yeah. And Scott Storch doesn't have the cleanest image in the industry. He's been sued before for a civil suit for stealing money from people who invested in him. I don't think he cares about his image. If he gets 10K from you and goes, yeah, no, you're not releasing this. I'm keeping my money. Yeah, it sounds shady, but there's certain people who won't care. They care more about their image in the U.S. and the world and their brand than your 10K that you just gave them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think it's just going to be really interesting. I haven't really dove into Beat Club, but I'm going to. And we can talk about it on the next episode. Um, for other episodes where we aren't as uh, brain dead or off of our... Off key. I- off key. Yeah, we this is our we gotta get back on the swing of things. You know, it's spring training here uh, after a month off. So if you want to check out other episodes, we definitely encourage you to do so. Um Yep. All right. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> The Business of Music Podcast, presented by DeNovo Agency. DeNovoAgency.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Business of Music Podcast. We love to hear feedback. Shoot us an email to contact at DeNovoAgency.com so we can answer your questions on the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to learn even more and check out DeNovoAgency.com to see how we can help you grow your music business. Until next time, this has been the Business of Music Podcast.